Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, the bicycle industry podcast that brings retailers, vendors, advocates, and thought leaders to the mic for honest discussions about the latest issues facing retailers while taking an in-depth look at the person within the profession. Hello, listeners. It's NBDA President Heather Mason. Our guests today are Micah Van Horn and Dan Jennings from SRAM. SRAM excels in the bicycle industry, fostering retail success through top-notch products, education, advocacy, and unwavering passion. This conversation provides insights for bicycle retailers on how to foster success and optimize collaboration with SRAM. Enjoyed this one. I'm sure you will too. Micah, Dan, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Heather. There's a lot of things that I love about being the president of the MBDA. And one of those is the relationships with so many great brands and suppliers. And I have to tell you, SRAM, you guys have been right up there supporting retailers in a very dynamic way. So I think this conversation, I know it's going to be deep. It's going to be intense. And I get both of you, which is like my lucky day over here. <laughs> so thanks. That's I a lot of pressure. You got me nervous. Heather. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Come on. So for our listeners, we have Dan Jennings and Micah Van Horn on, both with SRAM. They're doing a lot of great work for SRAM, growing the way SRAM is working on with retailers on the technical side, on the sales service side, making sure the field guides in the field have all the tools necessary to make sure the experience between the rider, the retailer is really dialed. So lots to get into today. I always like to give our listeners a sense of like the background of who's on the podcast, who I'm interviewing. Maybe Dan, would you start off and just give us a little bit of your background and journey in the cycling industry? Sure. So you know how people say it's been a minute when they're actually talking about a long time. It's been an hour for me. I've been in the industry for 35 years. I worked retail in early 80s, 90s, and early 2000s and then was an independent rep for almost 20 years. I actually started working for SRAM almost two years ago. I've been fortunate to work side by side with Micah for what is it, Micah, almost 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. It's awesome. This industry we're in provides us some great friendships, and it's a, just a great network. So Dan, what exactly is your role at SRAM, just to give our listeners that? So formally, I'm the field guide manager in the Midwest region, which is 12 states, you know, stretching basically from Nebraska and the Dakotas to Ohio. The way I see my role is, you know, supporting a team that works with retailers to support their vision of success in the community. They do this by asking questions, listening, learning, and getting to know more about that retailer's identity and what they consider success. I'm really happy to have you on the podcast because field guide. You know, those two words together came up a couple of years ago. I remember when SRAM announced that they were taking this path of having field guides. Mm -hmm. And for an industry who has so long worked with outside sales reps or inside sales reps, the field guide role, as I remember, was just so much more dynamic. It wasn't just a person who sold something to a store, but it was more about building community, making sure the retailer had all the resources. So I want to get into that. I'm so excited that you're here and we can dive into that. Before, I got to go over to Micah. Micah, can you give us a little bit about your journey and what you're doing at SRAM? I guess my journey starts before even bicycles for me. I grew up in 
power sports with my my father working, you know, seeing retail from a little, little, little kid, you know, and then came into working at the bike shop like most of us do at 14 and racing BMX bikes and racing mountain bikes and, you know, finally realizing that I'm a better technician than a bike rider. You know, the opportunity at SRAM came about and uh, I jumped on it. So it's been, you know, 10 years at SRAM now and, you know, kind of a lifetime leading up to that and in this industry and working retail. Thinking about 10 years and just seeing the growth and the change we've had over just the past couple of years. I mean, quite a journey. Let's dive in for both of you. You know, I just touched a little bit here on field guide, but what do those two words mean to you? And and maybe can I just get your thoughts right there before we even go further than that? Dan, you want to start off? The idea behind the field guide position more than anything is is what you said. It's all about the resources. Our team is there. You know, we like to consider ourselves navigators because it's far more immersive than just selling product, right? It's providing the tools for the retailers to not only sell that product, but be passionate about it and how it performs and the experience it provides. You know, Micah's team, for instance, that they're confident and proficient in installing that product, setting it up and servicing that product. And that we have teams, you know, internally that can support that effort on the backside. Once the product is out there, the rider's using it and make sure that experience stays high level. So it's that entire, you know, start to finish experience that we're focused on, not just the sale. I love that because if the retailer has all the support they need, then the rider does. And then like the stoke level is super high. Everyone is happy. I mean, Micah, how are you feeling just about being part of this program? And and what does it mean to you? On my side of it, we're the technical field guide side. So it's great. The field guide team can really just focus on the retailer and what they need. And our team is, we put a lot of our effort into the back of the house and making sure that, you know, the service techs are, you know, well-educated to service the product, make sure it performs great for the customer, right? Post-sale care, making sure those bikes are operating as best they possibly can. So our team really, you know, we get to spend that extra time, you know, more so than just going to a classroom or getting online education, we can truly dive into each retailer's business that we support, understand their hurdles, the things that they're struggling with to help them improve or even expand service offerings and get more profitable through just making their service department more efficient. Yeah, I love that you're touching about working with the retailer to make their business better. And I know from working with the SRAM team, Scott King and Chris, that it's all about what we can do to get the riders, you know, in the community more involved with the local retailer, make sure everyone understands the product. It really is a very holistic, it really feels good about the work you're doing. Diving into the partnership that you have with retailers. I mean, there's a lot of retailers in the U.S., a lot of diversity across the U.S., you know, as we travel from state to state. Are retailers aware of the field guides and taking advantage of this and pumped to work with SRAM? I mean, What's that feeling like? And how does that feel when you connect with a new retailer or a SRAM partner? Well, it's a work in progress. When this team was formed, we were in, you know, the high point of the pandemic because it all started in 2021. You know, we had product delays, product delivery issues, a lot of things going on there. Nobody was launching new products. So this team had a strong focus on, you know, event support, just doing whatever we could in terms of building that community presence, being there for, you know, trail days, that kind of thing. Coming off the pandemic, 
every year is presented some sort of new roadblock or, or bump in the road. And, you know, this next year is probably not going to be much different. So that said, we, we've had to pivot, you know, a little bit and really, you know, dive into the challenges our retailers are facing. A year ago, it was high inventory levels. This year, we're looking more at operating expense and, and cash flow and how, how do we help that in terms of business planning, inventory, inventory planning, and just general strategy over the next year. So it's a lot, right? And so for us, our teams have been out there doing as much as they can with a focus group of retailers. We're available. And again, we have multiple different teams to help. You know, it's a relationship, which means it's two-sided, right? We're asking retailers. We're offering support. We're hoping they commit to it. And we'll keep asking. It's not that we're going to walk away from anybody, but we want to make sure they know we're there if they need us. I love that. And I saw uh, SRAM's commitment to retailers, you know, through the various ways that you've worked with the NBDA over the past couple of years, be it our Buy Where You Ride fund, where we actually helped retailers put on successful events in their community. And Dan, you're right. I'm so resonating with what you're saying about retailers' needs changing. And a curated inventory and product selection right now is so important. I'm also hearing just qualified staffing and mechanics training is a challenge. And so I guess, Mike, I would ask you, like, when it comes to programs that SRAM has in place to support the technical training for bicycle retailers, how are you making sure that retailers are well-equipped to handle SRAM products? That's a good one. So we actually have ways to get education and support than we ever have in the past. So from our Stu Online, just got a revamp, which is really easy access for any retailer to brush up on you know, their theory modules, which we have on there that are brand agnostic. Like it just goes through the theory of brakes and suspension and drivetrain, right? You know, someone that's new in the shop can kind of learn that core fundamental to Stu in person, right? We have, uh, we've expanded that program. We now have two classrooms, one in Indianapolis, one in Colorado Springs. And those classes are going on right now. Uh, and I believe there are some open seats there. So, you know, from the 101 level classes to 202 level classes, that are a little bit more in depth to also our, our resources that we have from our uh, tech comm department. They spend so much time working on service documentation, creating content for you know the YouTube channels and, and everything that's out in, in the world to our technical field guide team, right? To where we can spend that extra time and really dive in with you and really, really dive into making sure that we can make you guys as profitable as possible whenever you touch SRAM product. So right. for retailers that are listening, they have opportunities to connect to SRAM via online courses, in-person courses. I heard you mention YouTube and then that one-on-one. So there's at least four different touch points there, along with a whole blanket of resources I'm sure that they can tap into. Yep. You know, Heather, for those that are listening out there, you could probably see the studio and shop behind me. Our technical field guide team, we all live in market, right? So we got, you know, five regions. There's five of us across the country. And you probably see some of the fancy cameras in the background. We have the ability to jump on a Microsoft Teams meeting with our retailers and get into extreme detail at a much faster rate than back in the day where it was, hey, you know what? I'm going to be in your area in a month or two months or a week. Uh, and you'd had to wait for someone to come to you to help you with an issue or take that time to dive in. We're much more readily available now on top of also still getting out in the market and seeing you face to face. 
I love that. It's such a great resource. And I am thankful for what the, you know, the virtual meeting rooms have done for us in, in terms of connectivity. I'm really concerned hearing from retailers right now that door swings are down and maybe rider engagement is dwindling a little bit. And I know it's important to SRAM that retailers connect with their community and they get these group rides going, keep the mountain bike stoke up, get people out on the trails. Dan, is there anything that you're working on or any resources you're providing to retailers to keep this rider engagement going, community engagement? Absolutely. And you you hit on a few of them right there. It's really that community outreach, right? Sometimes, you know, in terms of personal reflection, it's what can I control? What can I change? And, you know, door swings or we call it foot traffic as well. It's important for us to get outside the store and really be in the community. Part of the outreach is asking, you know, your existing customers or writers in the communities, asking them the tough questions. You know, what can I do better to support you? You would use the word inclusivity, I think, previously as well. And, you know, how are you showing up to your customers? Are you welcoming everybody in your store, regardless of why they're there? I've given this a lot of thought, had a few presentations this week, and there's lots of people with millions of reasons to love riding a bicycle, and none of them are wrong. It may not be the reason I ride it, but it's the reason they ride a bicycle, and we should do everything we can to empower that dream. So, you know, social media, you mentioned it, group rides, being out there during trail days, just be part of the community, I think is the biggest thing we can do right now. Yeah, I just came off a meeting with one of our P2, our profitability project retailer groups, and we were talking about different ways to engage with our community. One of the ideas that came out was hosting tech classes or similar uh, mechanics classes at the store. Mike, are you finding that, you know, people who ride Tram products do like to have this sort of education in, in classes around the product and training? From a consumer level, some people love it. You know, we've actually had some great success with working with retailers to get them comfortable presenting stuff to their customers, right? And helping them engage from that technical aspect. You know, a lot of times, you know, especially when it comes to suspension services, right? You know, do a 50-hour suspension lower leg class. So that way your customers understand like, hey, this is a lot more in-depth than what I'm comfortable with. And yeah, I really want to pay to have this service done to the other side of the spectrum of, yeah, I think I can do this at home, right? But they're going to get their service kits and their oils and their lubes and tools and everything from you, right? So there's no reason to shy away from customers that work on their own stuff and being creating a hub for them to get things that they need to do it correctly, right? As long as we're staying engaged with those customers, there's going to be a time when they come back in because they got, you know, in too deep uh, and they need help and they realize it, right? And we need to welcome those folks. Does that happen, Micah? Do we get in too deep? Oh, yeah. 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 Everyone does from time to time. I remember running a seminar with Ed from SRAM, and we were talking to a big group of retailers, and he was reminding the retailers about how important it is to remind your customers about these suspension services, about these other services, and then even hosting a class or a workshop around it is like the next extra step. So you're mm-hmm. saying that that SRAM does have resources. So if a retailer wanted to connect with someone from the field guide tech team, they could do that. Yep, 100%. You know, working with their local field guide, they can, you know, that's generally going to be your fastest connection point. Whereas, you know, Dan's team, right, for the his Midwest region has field guides across that region. 
we have one technical field guide per region that covers the entire region. So making sure those field guides are your point of contact. Like Dan said, they're your navigators. They're going to get you to where you need to be and get you to the right people as quickly and efficiently as possible. Yeah, I'm thinking about just the way that SRAM has positioned their field guides in collaborating with retailers. And I'm sure that those field guides work with multiple retailers. So they're seeing what's working, what's not working. Dan, you're talking with a lot of the field guides on probably a daily basis. Is there any big wins or anything that you've seen a retailer do recently that's really engaged their community and had a big impact that you might share? I know I'm throwing you on the spot to just ask you for one thing right now, but... There's a few that stand out, you know, so the the connection for me, I have a direct connection with the four field guides on the Midwest team, but more importantly is, you know, the broader team. So all the field guides in the U.S., all all the regional managers, I I have, there are four other regional managers in, in the country as well. We talk all the time and our goal is to share, you know, what's working really well. What are the challenges we're seeing you know, in, in different parts of the country? How can we help support each other in supporting our retailers? One thing that stood out is something Emily Brown, who's our field guide in the Dakotas last year, did four retail experiences focused on women in cycling, you know, presenting suspension, presenting power meters, presenting drivetrain, and then brake systems. What she did is, you know, she's in the Black Hills, So she partnered with a different retailer, with four different retailers, and the crowd kept building. So the first one had really good attendance. I think roughly uh, 20 women came and and participated. By the time we got to the last one, I want to say it was 30 women plus partners. So we had men in the group as well at this point, which, which was super awesome. It was that FOMO, you know, it's like, what am I missing out on? So that was a huge, huge lift for those retailers to be a part of that. And it really opened their eyes. Again, we talk about that. There's a million reasons to ride a bicycle and it's different for everybody. And if we just, you know, remove barriers and, and, you know, be hospitable, that kind of changes things for the better for us. Registration is officially open and we want you to join us for the second annual NBDA Retailer Summit. May 22nd and 23rd in Bentonville, Arkansas. Our 2024 program features two dynamic days of presentations, panel discussions, and breakout sessions aimed to unite retailers and suppliers in conversation. Tickets include an event gift bag, tailored educational events, networking cocktail event and select meals, early access to the Bentonville Bike Fest, not to mention ample riding time on world-class trails. You won't want to miss it. So don't get registered today at nbda.com. I love that. And I think I did see some images on the social medias of those events. So I I think that's fantastic. I guess, Mike, I would turn it over to you from the technical side. Is there anything that you've seen retailers do? I guess I would expand this question to you outside of the community, even just to make their service center more profitable, more efficient, like anything that is popping into your mind of something that a retailer did that just really has stayed with you. The retailers that take the time to, you know, digest the past season, truly understand where their hiccups were, where their pain points were in the the busy part of the year, and then creating a plan during their downtime to address those. 
And then also taking a look at what they're not offering in their you know, services and looking to expand what they're offering to their customers, right? In creating an education plan, putting a timeline behind it and sticking to it. You know, the retailers that take that time, we see them progress year over year over year. You know, and we'll, I'll see retailers that, you know, start with, you know, they're doing basic tune-ups and, you know, some deluxe type tune-ups where they're taking drivetrains off and cleaning them. And that's pretty much their repertoire. When they decided to really, really put the work in, in a two, three-year time frame, they're doing full hydraulic services. They're doing full suspension services all in-house. And they're seeing their profitability go up. And then they're also seeing their customer base grow because people talk, right? You know, everyone's got a friend that they ride with and they're like, oh man, I'm going over here. They're doing this. They're offering this. And not every retailer does. Also, the retailers that take the time to really dive into their communities and figure out what what's the niche in their community, right? Depending where we are geographically, you may not have big, you know, big hit mountain bikes. You may not have road cyclists, Right. And truly understanding what your community is doing around you and how they're riding their bikes and offering the services that those people need. Yeah, I guess I want to take the gloves off here. And I, I love retailers, right? I love bicycle retailers. They're such a diverse group. And we've got what over 5,000 of them, of them in the U.S., I'm imagining though, you know, from my experience, you know, we have over 800 members in the MBDA. I might hear from like 10% of those members who actively engage with us. We'd love more, right? But there's certain retailers who make the time and prioritize it. And they're getting a lot out of the resources and making their business better. So my question would be, are you finding that certain retailers reach out and use your field guides maybe more than others? Like, and if the answer is yes, can we just put a call out right now to have people reach out, right? I don't know. Absolutely. Our field guide team, so you know, like I said, we're the navigators. We're asking questions. We're, we're trying to help retailers find solutions. So when it comes to the technical side of thing, uh, you know, what our technical field guides support, we often talk to, you know, the service techs, the service managers. And really what it comes down to is once we get the opportunity and we can get them in front of our technical field guide team, they're hooked. And we've seen it. It's something Mike and I have worked on for 10 years. We have a couple retailers, you know, in the middle of the country that we meet with darn near every year. And it's a continuous education plan now. It's not them learning new things anymore. It's them learning the latest service tech that we offer. Because, you know, for instance, our break, break lead today, and sorry, Mike, I'm honing in on your side here. <laughs> but our break lead today is not the same break lead we were presenting, you know, even a year ago. There has been small changes to it. So just doing a quick review every year is, is important to stay on top of what all the changes that, that are being made in bicycles right now. You know, Heather, to add Dan's point, the retailers that truly engage with us and take that time and, you know, they kind of put that education plan in and we know, hey, October hits, they're getting slow. We're going to start spending the time with them over the course of the winter. Some of these retailers now, we're talking about efficiencies to improve profitability of services. Mm-hmm. not how to do the services, right? You know, how do we do a brake bleed a little faster correctly, right? How do we minimize mistakes so that way we don't have bikes coming back? There are retailers that are at that point with their staff, and it's because they've spent the time to invest in that education 
those are some of my favorite ones to see, right? You know, the years that I've been doing this, I've seen retailers go from, you know, kind of square one to being rock stars. And that's probably one of the most rewarding parts of my job is to see, see you know, those technicians and those retailers progress. Yeah, I have a huge smile right now because I 100% guarantee when you see that success, it just makes you feel so good. And it can be so scary to reach out, you know, as a retailer to call a brand, to make a new relationship, to open up your door to a new person coming in. I mean, that can be scary, but gosh, the benefits, I I mean, when we expand our network, because your field guides are in so many retailer doors, so not only can they provide feedback on SRAM product, but also just on like general marketplace and, and what's happening out there. And it it makes you feel so much more prepared to take on the day and just handle what's happening in the in the industry. So say a retailer reaches out to you, makes the calls, establish the relationship, a field guide makes an appointment to swing by. Is there marketing and other support that SRAM provides to help that retailer really connect the SRAM product to the community? Or what does that look like? There absolutely is, Heather. You know, and and again, we could go back a year, for instance, where bicycle inventory was starting to stack up at retail sales in different categories, different styles of bikes. Some styles were not moving. Some styles, you know, like e-bikes, continued their upward trajectory. So, you know, when we talk to a retailer and we find out, hey, this particular style of bike, it's a little bit slower. There's a couple things we can do. What's the number one way to, to get somebody to buy a bicycle? Let's get them on the bicycle. So let's promote a trail day or let's promote some sort of ride experience. Let's work together and see what we can come up with. You know, we've done things like this, done podcasts with retailers, so they get a better understanding of what that SRAM and retail relationship really is and the support that we give each other. From a marketing perspective, we all hang our hats on social media today, and SRAM has a a great marketing team. We have assets, you know, all the images, all the copy. So if a retailer wants to promote SRAM products, you know, in social media, web, or email, And especially if they want to promote the experiences our products provide, we have those things and we fully support them localizing, you know, what we offer to get, you know, new writers into their stores. I love that. It sounds very comprehensive and all that stuff goes a long way. Micah, I'm going to turn this next one over to you. More technical, you know, a lot of retailers, there's a lot of new products coming down the pipeline, products getting, you know, innovation continues to just outpace us sometimes. Some mechanics might not have all the know-with-all to work on all these products. And there's also some stuff coming down that might need warranty support. So you already indicated that there's several ways to get training, but what about when someone just needs assistance or guidance? How do they reach out? How do they connect? And how are you taking steps to ensure that that process is smooth? So we actually have a retail support team, which is in-house. And that team, you know, historically was called uh, DSD back in the day, if you've been in the industry for more than 10 years. And that team's on the phones and then also takes care of every, you know, warranty or service claim that comes in onto the portal itself. And that team is also regionalized as well. So that way they're working with the same retailers, right? You're not just getting dumped into a queue. You have someone that is truly focused on your part of the country and understands your part of the country and how bikes are being ridden. So that 1-800 number and the SRAM's B2B portal is the quickest, easiest way to get that you know emergency help that you may need, right? The retail support team 
they'd rather help you troubleshoot something than actually typing in a warranty claim or creating an RA number to get something sent in. They love being able to troubleshoot stuff over the phone, right? And if they can't, they actually will reach out to our team because again, we have some more resources to be able to, again, spend more time with the retailer, get eyes on that bike virtually and help them work through some troubleshooting processes to make sure that we can get that customer back out on the bike as fast as possible. You know, at the core of everything that SRAM does is we don't want a rider to ever miss a day because of our stuff, right? And so we've put everything into place that we can to ensure that people can ride their bikes and and not have to worry about it. I love that. And I know as a past retailer, anytime I had an issue, you guys were always like a new part was on the way and it was quick and it was easy. And I was very appreciative of that. Okay, we talk about best practices between retailers and suppliers and how communication should be a two-way street. So I think that would be great right now to ask just in terms of when you receive communication from retailers, what kind of internal process is happening at SRAM to kind of take all that feedback from retailers and disseminate it to create future programs or incentives that really connect all the dots? So it depends on the feedback to some degree, right? If it's technical feedback, I should go back a little bit. So the neat thing about SRAM is we consider ourselves a pretty flat company. So What that means is as we receive feedback, we communicate an awful lot, all those resources we spoke to. So if if a field guide gets feedback on a product, for instance, like, hey, I've noticed this happening when I install this product a few times now, that type of feedback. We immediately go to our technical field guide. We give them that information. We also give that information to our retail support team. And in some cases, that information might go directly to our product team. So it moves sideways very, very quickly. And after that, like if that information goes to product teams, you know, I may not see the ultimate result, you know, or what happened with that information, but I do see what happens when it gets to our technical field guide team. You know, Micah brought up our retail support team. If they have to refer a technical field guide for a little more education on that particular install or service, we definitely check in on that and make sure they're comfortable and confident now in what's going on. Excellent. Yeah. And I can tell you, I know I've given some feedback from retailers and you guys have been super proactive and listening to it and responding to the retailers needs. So that has been truly fantastic. We're recording here early 2024, January. Bicycle retail, the landscape is changing. I mean, it's been changing dramatically, I think, since covid What do you see as some of these trends that might take place in 2024? And what are you doing to maybe adapt to these changes and support retailers as consumer trends change? So from a technical side, we're seeing bicycles that are more capable than ever. And people are doing things with bicycles that we never thought was going to be done. And people are taking those bikes and pushing the limits of product. You know, I look at mountain bikes from 10 years ago to today, and a 120 bike now is more capable than a 160 bike was 10 years ago. And from the product side and the technical side, it's going to be extremely important over the next few years that technicians really pay attention to that evolving technology. You know, the precision that's out there that's required now, comparatively to when drivetrains were eight-speed, and attention to detail is way more important. And so taking the time to truly learn it, be professional, and have a high level of attention to detail is going to do a technician very well over the next decade. 
Yeah, I love that response because I truly think that I'm watching and I'm talking to retailers and seeing them adapt their businesses as service continues to provide great opportunities for revenue, that technicality and that really fine-tuned precision of the mechanics can go a long way. So, and consumers, I think, are expecting it in this uh, technological age that we're completely dialed. So I love that. And then from the standpoint of how SRAM is working with retailers and maybe how you're positioning your field guides to enhance the overall experience of retailers, riders, SRAM products as we look into 2024. Dan, I might ask you it that way. So retailers may not know this, but we do have a full rider support team as well. You can kind of see it through SRAM.com. We have what we internally call Zendesk, right? Where where writers can submit questions, get responses, that kind of thing. So we're getting writer feedback data in real time. And what that helps our field guide team do is help retailers identify trends sooner. And instead of being reactive, they can be proactive. To Micah's point, we can start talking about proficiency and education upfront as these products start to trend or as this, you know, cycling category starts to build you know e-mountain bike right now is booming there are other things we need to work on you know trail access and kind of stuff but when it comes to the product we want to make sure we're dialed in terms of you know is our product capable is it e-bike friendly or all that stuff and make sure our retailers are fully educated on what's going on there so they're confident when they put a bike you know under somebody that the experience is going to be great I love that. So what is hot? Like, what are people looking for these days? What are people asking for? What are the hot SRAM products? All of them. All of them. (laughs) (laughs) I had a retailer tell me Enduro was dead. And I was like, what? Like, I mean, yeah, right? Heather, I really think it depends where you are in, in the United States. There's pockets where, you know, downhill is really healthy. Like, there's retailer stocking downhill bikes. When was the last time you heard that? There's yeah. pockets of the country where traditional, you know, road that used to be the big thing, right, during the Lance days is still really healthy. And then there's also pockets where, you know, people don't realize it, but North Florida, there's a lot of big hit travel e-bikes ripping around Florida right now. And that's what's hot there, right? So it really depends where you are in the country of what segment's doing well and what's hot. And be, again, back to our earlier points, paying attention to that and being involved in your community. Yeah. Heather, you're familiar with the word all road, right? All road. Yes, I got you. The road bike thing I wasn't sure about, but the all road. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly my point is is you get on a bike where just maybe a simple tire change transforms it from gravel to, you know, bike path to rails to trails. And that's such a great option in the Midwest for somebody who wants a little bit of adventure. So. You say all road, and then my brain goes to gravel, and then I'm in Bentonville thinking about Little Sugar. This is where my brain goes as we're talking. But I'm thinking about how important it has always been for SRAM to connect with the rider. And that is important because we need the brands to help market products to the riders, to get the riders pumped up about them so they can connect back to the retailer. And it's an ecosystem. It's awesome. So in terms of looking into 2024, you know, where will SRAM be? Is connecting with the rider still important to you? And are you looking for retailers to engage with that or just some general thoughts about that? Well, what's important to us is connecting riders through our retailers, Mm. right? So getting them involved, you know, in new product launches, 
something five years ago was difficult, you know, because there's a level of trust that's required there. That, hey, if we're going to give you some information about a new product that we need you to hold that information and not share it before we go live. So that's the big one is we want to build up that trust with retailers so we can get them involved. And again, what we're trying to do through our retailers more than anything. And then when those new products hit the market, we want to make sure that they have that full experience. They work with Micah's team to get up to speed if that product, if the install and setup has changed, like our new transmission, completely new install and setup process. And we were there. I mean, Micah, how many retailers did we train in that 30 days after the transmission launch? Close to 200, I think. Yeah. I've hit my head since then. So <laughs> those numbers could be a little foggy. <laughs> Like is still recovering. Well, it's great to see so many retailers taking part in that training and coming after it. And I remember, Dan, I think we had a conversation once where there was a launch of a product that you worked with several retailers to keep on the DL and you worked specifically through the retailers to launch that and how what that exposure brought to them was pretty intense. Chad and I did a podcast this spring on our new transmission launch where we had basically a mystery box that we sent to the retailers pre-launch and they shared that box, right? With a nice little Eagle logo on top of it with the world, but nobody knew what was in it. And then day of launch, everybody cracked it open and there's our new transmission. And that was a pretty powerful presence. That was pretty powerful. I mean, riders still get pumped on new technology, right? Like we need our riders to get pumped on new product, new technology and current, but you know, I remember as a retailer, a new product came out when I went to the trade show or, or when I was able to highlight something to my community first, it was a big deal and we had a big response. So just keeping your retailers informed about these products and allowing them to share the news to their community is a huge step. So thank you for that. The NBDA values the importance of deep interpersonal connections, and our Retailer Summit is designed to be a catalyst for just that. Attending the Retailer Summit in May ensures you meet the right people who know the bicycle industry, respect your business, and want to help you grow, both personally and professionally. It's an easy way to take your business to the next level through networking, engaging with panelists and speakers, problem solving with your fellow attendees, followed by ample riding time on world-class trails. Go to nbda.com slash retailer summit for more information and to get your tickets today. I want to go back early into the conversation. And I think Mike maybe was touching on it. Maybe Dan, it was you. We talked about just supporting retailers and navigating challenges such as inventory management I think we were talking about just the supply chain issues and not having enough inventory, now too much inventory. Is there any specific ways that you're doing that now or that you could talk about? Yeah, I mean, if it's okay, I'm going to go backwards a little bit again. Because as we came out of, what would it be? It would be, as we came out of the summer of 2022. So we're just coming off of the pandemic boom, right? It's just starting to settle down. We did an assessment of future POs, for instance, uh, basically open order reports. So it's like a retailer looking in the computer and then saying, okay, I've got this on order, this on order. We went to our retailers at that point because, again, in terms of what we saw, we went to our retailers and distributors and said, hey, you've got these POs out there, right? Are you sure you need this product? 
Can we look at it? We're giving you the opportunity to cancel it, revise it, whatever you need to do. In some cases, retailers told us, hey, we're already overstocked on that product. We took product back in some cases. Mm. The goal there, again, was to create a soft landing. Overall, it was still stressful for another year for most retailers in terms of getting that inventory, you know, right-sized for them, especially in certain categories. Today, it's trying to maintain or help retailers maintain a purview a little further out, right? Because everybody's starting to come back to that just-in-time ordering, and everybody's exceptionally lean right now. But we can do that. My hope is that we can get retailers to just look a little further out and plan in terms of cash flow, plan in terms of demand, and keep your eyes 90 to 120 days down the road. That gives you, I think, more flexibility in the long run to manage inventory and to manage operating expenses. So we're supporting that whenever possible. We're supportive of any inventory management ideas and love to hear what's working and what's not. Yeah, it's like something we're continuing to navigate. I'm thinking that retailers don't always work directly with suppliers. Sometimes they go through distributors, which is totally fine. But maybe there's some retailers that are listening that don't even work directly with SRAM. I mean, could that be the case? And what do we need to know in that regard? So there's a lot of reasons for why retailers work with different distributors. It's not always price, right? It's a relationship just as much as it is with any other distributor brand or whatever it might be. And we support all of it. It can be, you know, hey, I can get that product in a day. That has input in terms of operating expense for that retailer. If they're waiting a week versus a day for a product, you know, how easy is it? Am I doing other business that might impact the margin of this product? You know, that happens often when they're working with a bike brand that has distribution attached to it. So we we don't dictate at all who a retailer buys our product from. We're happy that they're supporting our product more than anything. And beyond that, you know, we can go back and we're there to support. If they need support in terms of education on the product or anything service or technical related, we're there to support that, again, regardless of where they buy our product. Coming from a retailer, you know, we had multiple locations. We didn't order from Shram Direct. I mean, this was like 13 years ago or whatnot. So when we had a tech issue or when we had a warranty, I myself as owner slash manager or even my tech staff was a little uncomfortable calling because we felt like Shram was this huge giant elephant in the room that we couldn't like reach out to because we didn't know who we were going to get or how to start. But it's not that hard. It doesn't need to be that way. You actually want to hear from retailers, right? No matter where they're buying from. And so what is the easiest way for a retailer who's listening, who might not directly work with SRAM, to make that phone call or reach out? What's the easiest way for them to do that? I would say it's whatever they're comfortable with. So we have the field guides in field. And please, if there's anything you need, ask your field guide. If you're more comfortable making a phone call, we have our retail support team and the 800 number that goes with that. If you're connected to your technical field guide in that region, reach out to them. One of the best things is we know how to say, I don't know, but I know who does. So if we can't resolve the issue for it, we know somebody within SRAM can support that. We'll make sure that connection happens. 
That's excellent. And if you're listening, you can always send me an email. I'm heather at mbda.com and I can help make the connection because that's what we truly want to do, provide opportunities for connection. I mean, the industry is super challenging right now. Micah, Dan, you've been in it for a lot of years. We started this conversation saying that. I mean, Micah, what are you thinking for 2024? Like if you were going to have the best year ever, you know, working at SRAM, working with retailers, what would, if we're talking in December, what would a great year look like for you? What would be a highlight this year? I think a highlight would be increasing your labor dollars this year, right? That's the easiest place where you can increase your profitability, increase your overall dollars in the business, because we don't know what's going to happen with uh, bike inventory, right? We don't know what the market pull is going to be, but we do know people are riding their bikes. And if we can keep them riding their bikes and keeping them engaged on their bikes, we know they're going to need fixed at some point. So for me, talking to a retailer in December of 24, and they come to me like, hey, we were up 20% or up 5% or up 10%, whatever that goal number is in service, I think that's the easiest place to go. I love that. Yeah, great service. Revenue will help keep our margins up, help keep our retailers in business and the whole industry profitable. Dan, what about you? If I was talking to you in 2024, like, what are you hopeful for for this year? Oh, one word comes to mind, and that's stability. One maybe elephant in the room is turnover in terms of retail staff and how we, you know, continuously support development when somebody new comes into our world at retail. But yeah, stability. I think we could talk about that in terms of inventory, in terms of, you know, riders, in terms of foot traffic, all of that. And because it's been quite the ride since 2019. And I think that's something everybody's looking for right now. Yeah. You know, I have one more question. I, well, I got you guys in the hot seat here. We just yesterday had a retailer supplier best practices panel, and we were talking about various topics that impact suppliers and retailers. And one of the topics of exploration was just the value of the specialty bicycle retailer. We've been talking about this a lot this year in our P2 workshops, the strengths of the specialty bicycle retailer being that knowledge, that service center, that hub. So maybe I would ask both of you too, like what you see is the value of the specialty bicycle retailer in the role right now of the various channels to find or purchase a product. Mike, I guess I'll ask you first. You know, from my view, the days of having your neighborhood bike shop are kind of done, right? Bicycle retail is specialty retail to the normal, you know, human out there, right? They are looking for an experience when they walk through your door. When you see them out in the world at an event or trail or ride, they're looking for an experience. And so every retailer needs to find that niche in their community and they need to help foster and grow that niche to create that experience that their customers are looking for. Right. You're not going to have everyone. You know, we've seen the boom of gravel focused shops. We're starting to see the boom of just high end road. Right. Mm -hmm. And right down the street, there's another retailer that's doing something totally different with bicycles. Right. And so we can all foster communities within our own towns and cities and neighborhoods, because to Dan's point, everyone has a different reason for riding a bike and being able to foster and grow those communities is super important for the future. I love that. Yeah. That experience, Dan, I see you nodding your head, but I'll ask you too. anything that you would add there. I see retailers as influencers in the community, right? So, you know, in that vein is 
I would ask retailers, focus on the experience a bicycle gives the rider. You know, let's create opportunities in the community to engage in a fun and meaningful way. You know, bring energy, bring excitement around our sport. It's been a part of my life for 35 years, and I've had certainly had a lot of highs and quite a few lows along the way. But specialty retail still has a dramatic influence on our industry today. There's no doubt about it. Leverage that is my main message. I love that. What about trade shows? Am I going to see you guys anywhere out and about this year? Any events, anything that I can high five and cross paths with you or the field guide team? I can speak to the field guide team. We're, our presence is going to be in market this year. And okay. our motivation, again, is, is that retail support. We want to stay as connected as possible. We're going into this year a little stressed financially, and we want to be there every step of the way. Excellent. Excellent. The future of bicycle retail will continue to evolve the future of just ridership. Micah, you took me back when you were saying the bikes of 10 years ago, because yeah, I remember like racing Mount Snow like 20 years ago on this like crazy bike that I would have no, I would never take down the mountain now. So it's, it's <laughs> awesome. Awesome to see. This conversation is only just the beginning. I'm so close to the SRAM team. We really enjoy our relationship working with you to keep our retailers educated, informed. And I am so appreciative that both of you made the time today to come on the podcast. And you guys are, like, are my friends. So I feel like we're like buddies getting back together. So thanks for that. I think you're welcome. I should plug, I was fortunate enough to attend the NBDA Retailer Summit last year, and we do plan on being there again this year. So oh, looking forward to that one for sure. Thank you for that. Yeah, it was great having yeah. you there in Bentonville, Arkansas. If, like, if you haven't been there, if you're listening, you haven't yet to go to Bentonville, it's definitely a place to put on the list. And our summit piggybacks with the Bentonville Bike Fest, which I don't know, Dan and Micah, did you guys know that I did the enduro there last year? It was pretty, there's oh. an enduro race. Yeah. So I want more of the industry to come out this year and do that enduro and be on the trails with us and just have a good day. So yeah, big call out there. Dan, you're doing it, right? The enduro? Yeah. Gauntlet thrown oh, down here. This body's too old for an enduro. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be at the town square getting a 75 cent ice cream cone. Yeah, excellent. excellent. <laughs> well, thank you both. Really appreciate having you on the podcast. And for our listeners, please reach out. Yeah, Dan, Micah, if they want to get a hold of you, or you already mentioned the 800 number for the resource, is that the best way, you know, best contact to share? What would you recommend? Yes. They, yep. Yeah. Yeah, they can get hold of it. And the way our emails work at SRAM is it's first initial, last name at SRAM.com. Awesome. All right. Yeah, the uh, retail support team, we work with those folks on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you're like, hey, I'm trying to get in touch with this person, they can let us know. We can reach out or get us in contact some way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the big, big thing is here for our listeners. We want to make sure that we get you connected so you can always reach to me and I'll make the magic happen over here. Dan and Micah, thank you so much. Appreciate you thanks coming on the Retail Radio. Yep. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to Bicycle Retail Radio. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. If it is your first episode, we urge you to take the time and listen to our past episodes. Support the show by first subscribing, then share your favorite episode online with friends. You can go one step further and leave a review. 
It helps members of our industry find our podcast. Special thanks to NBDA Development Director Rochelle Scouten for editing and promotional graphics. Music provided by Joel Picard.